Welcome everyone to the Rethink It podcast, a podcast designed for equipping individuals and families struggling with brain health issues to identify practical, natural, scientific, and lifestyle approaches to restore optimal brain health and prevent dementia. My podcast, my newsletter, my website, and my integrative practice all focus on down-to-earth solutions for upgraded brain health. I'm Sandy, a double board of PA with training in general practice and anesthesia, and oddly enough, a PhD in natural medicine. And I'm your host for the next hour. Launching this podcast is a project that has been a long time coming. The last two years of my life have been dedicated to figuring out the best way to manage and run an integrative practice virtually in order to serve the most amount of people I could with chronic health issues. My practice is primarily dedicated to clients with chronic brain inflammation from things like Lyme disease, long COVID, breast implant illness, and I also have a unique clinical focus on providing holistic support for anesthesia recovery. I um, arrived at this place where I am today through the bumpy road of illness, loss, and curiosity. My medical training started about 20 years ago, but honestly, my health and wellness education started long before that. I began my health career as one of the youngest certified AAFP, that's American Association of Fitness Trainers, uh, certified personal fitness trainers. So I was about 17 years old. So getting exposed to the wellness community early in life is a blessing. And it was a blessing for me. It gave me a great foundation that I ended up building back on later on life when my health and the health of my family began to struggle. So during my time as a fitness professional, I, began, I worked with um, a variety of clients from a bunch of diverse backgrounds, um, including personalities like Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers Band. It gave me a glimpse into how much we, uh, we all struggle, famous or not, with body images, image issues, um, depression, fear, and the effects it can all have on our health. But I ended up finishing PA school in 2004, and I later went back and got my master's in anesthesia, and I have been practicing primarily in anesthesia since about 2010. So along the way, my husband and I had five children. Having kids really makes your medical training have a much more personal application, and I hoped it would give me a clearer direction when it came to helping my family stay healthy. But unfortunately, I quickly saw some of the limitations of my training. I remember one day my mother-in-law called and asked me what I thought about her going on hormone replacement therapy. She had a strong history of like heart disease and, and she was already beginning to have some issues with memory and recall. I think she was in her 60s, um, probably early 60s. So one doctor told, me, oh, told her that she shouldn't go on it due to her cardiac history which is reasonable. And the other one said she needed it to prevent dementia or it, she could use it to prevent dementia. Um, so, I, so I checked out the literature and I just kind of, I'm not that the doctors didn't know what they're talking about, but I just kind of checked it out on my own. And I could see why there was a discrepancy in the recommendations. I mean, the literature was solidly divided on the topic. And I suddenly felt pretty helpless to give good advice when it came uh, to her question. And when she asked if there was anything else she could do, like I had nothing else to offer. You know, when your family looks at you for help, help and they trust you with their lives and they see you as like a well-trained expert, 
the weight of the responsibility becomes real. You know, the next, the next family member needing my help was even closer to home. He was my son. My firstborn was born, um, firstborn child, my oldest boy, um, was born in a terrifying emergency C-section experience after an exhausting 24 hours of labor. And when he came out of the womb, he came out supercharged and profoundly ADHD. I swear, if you looked at the DSM, if there was a picture of it, of what ADHD looked like, it was him with him. <sighs> Anyhow, I was, of course, very motivated to find anything besides, you know, medications to give my, my little kid who was just busy, busy, busy. It's a miracle that we have four more kids. <laughs> so, of course, I, I scoured the literature looking for other recommendations besides medications, but all of the literature said, quote, no evidence supports consistent outcome with alternative therapy, diet, or exercise, or lifestyle, quote, unquote. Today, these therapies are only recommended as supplemental to medications, which still appears to be the first-line therapy. So, by four years old, my son had been evaluated and medicated. It didn't take long to see the effects of the medication. By eight years old, he had been evaluated by a psychologist, and he was prescribed Prozac. Of course, he was smaller than all of his peers, and he had a hard time gaining weight. And of course, he had a hard time sleeping well, but he focused great in school, and he was super calm until the meds wore off. <laughs> yeah. So around that time, my issues with psoriasis began to flare again. I had been diagnosed about 18 years earlier and was managing it with the standard care available, you know, topical steroids, vitamin D cream, and even occasionally getting in the tanning bed. Yes, even the tanning bed. And if you care to take a look at my picture, you'll see that I'm a very pink person. So that was not an easy thing to balance, not, you know, fixing the rash while not getting a sunburn on in a tanning bed. It was, you know, <laughs> I was uh, never really interested in taking those biological meds that they were kind of the new gold standard of care. So um, I just dealt with the flares as they came. But around the time that my son was starting to need Prozac, I had a really big flare and I noticed some big changes like joint pain and that the skin rash had gotten like way out of control, so uncomfortable. It was, you know, it was, it was bad. <laughs> if anyone else has ever dealt with this, you know what I'm talking about. Not only is it painful, I mean, it was painful, really painful and disfiguring, but it's also embarrassing. I'm, I remember feeling like it looks like I don't shower because <laughs> I had bad, you know, plaques behind my ears and into my earlobes and, and flaking down my neck and just it was awful. So I went to my dermatologist hoping that in the time that it took me to complete my anesthesia training, that there had been some amazing advances in, in therapies, um, which um, there were, <laughs> but they were all in categories of making new biological therapies, which essentially work in different ways to dampen parts of your immune system. They worked, but they didn't, but I didn't want them. I didn't want to take anything to suppress my immune system. I wanted to balance it. So I started to look outside the standard medical journals for help. I stumbled onto 
essential oils of all things. Doubtful. I was very doubtful. In fact, my, the friend who recommended them, I was like, I was, I was so prideful. I remember saying, oh, I'll just throw her a bone and buy some of her oils and see if they work. I mean, whatever. <laughs> well, that was a quick way to humble me because, of course, I didn't think that these oils would work to help something as severe as my psoriasis that was very, very severe. Um, and I definitely didn't think it would help my joints, but I still gave them a try because I did buy them. And I began to apply them to my neck, my my chest, all the areas that I had my plaques that were everywhere, you guys, everywhere. <laughs> I was shocked, though when my redness went away in a short period of time and the plaques were gone. I mean, I just didn't understand how some natural plant oil could do what prescription medicines couldn't. It just didn't make any sense. So I became keenly aware of the fact that, in fact, despite the fact that I just spent a cumulative five years in medical training and almost a decade in practice at the time, my education had some major gaps. So <laughs> I began to try to fill those gaps. <laughs> we started implementing dietary changes into our lifestyle to try to help my ADHD kids because by that point I had two or three that had symptoms that similar to ADHD. One that was, of course, medicated. The oldest was medicated. We started to work on restoring everyone's gut to good health. And I'll tell you, that was the missing link for my psoriasis. While essential oils help to ease symptoms like topically, and they ease, they ease some of the symptoms, I mean, just significantly, but the breakouts didn't come back once I really got my gut well. So the timing of my new education couldn't have been better. I don't think that God wastes suffering, <laughs> and he didn't in this situation either. So about four years into my research, my middle child started to develop a host of unusual symptoms. At first, we thought we, he had ADHD like the oldest, but when the diet was working to manage those symptoms, well, the hyperactivity and, oh my gosh, the kid talked all the time, <laughs> talk, 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 <laughs> he actually was able to be calm enough to start to complain about his actual symptoms like headaches and joint pain. He had tummy ache and fatigue. He was like six or seven complaining about tummy ache and being tired all the time. <laughs> I decided to take him and the other kids to a functional medicine practitioner who ran a bunch of labs. And it turns out every one of my children who at this point I was very, you know, proud of myself. I'd been feeding them organic and we'd been eating, you know, taking probiotic. And this, you know, by, by the time we saw this doctor, we'd already been doing all these natural things for two years and seeing progress. But at that point, the lab showed that they all had a low functioning thyroid functionally speaking. Um, but the kiddo with all the weird symptoms tested for a ton of mold and for Lyme. So that made me begin to rethink what I had learned about Lyme in my training. I'd always been a bit curious about this sort of enigmatic infection ever since PA school. I spent my elective rotation as any nerd does, in nephrology. And I found it interesting that one of the things that my attending always tested for, for new onset kidney failure, was Lyme. I also thought it was interesting that the bacteria seemed to have a similar structure to syphilis. I also thought it was interesting that we were doing all this testing in Savannah, Georgia. 
and not in like New England. I learned so much more um, as I began to study, though, um, look at studies from like microbiology and biology. So outside of the medical standard medical studies, at this point, I started to look wider. And I learned about biofilms and how they protect the bacteria from being targeted by most drugs. I learned about the connection between Lyme, parasites, and mold. And the problem was, at the time, we were living in the South, where mold seems to be present everywhere. I mean, you guys, the South is an amazing place. <laughs> the people are awesome, but it's a pretty humid environment. <laughs> and so the poor kid, he couldn't go anywhere without feeling bad. Our practitioners started us with some simple detox products, but we, we felt like we were getting better for a while, only to relapse after a bad exposure. We weren't really making consistent headway. When we determined that we weren't able to make real progress, we finally decided to move out west and to try to get away from the mold. We made a very radical decision. <laughs> Having lived more than 30 years in the South, the decision wasn't easy. We left behind extended family, friends who were family, a church that we loved, and my dream home slash homestead. <laughs> but we loved our, our son more than we did all of that, and we knew we had to make big changes to get him a chance for recovery. So meanwhile, during all of this, I was noticing the chronic health issues of other people around me. <laughs> so along the way, I started to share what I was learning with family and friends and started to unofficially provide some suggestions for natural health support. I was amazed to see how powerful, consistent, and effective herbs, nutrition, essential oils, botanicals seem to be for stubborn health issues. So we did finally move out west, settling in Colorado. And after about 14 months, I would say, of aggressive natural Lyme protocols that included addressing Lyme, mold, parasites, and co-infections, my son was a different child. He had energy to play with other kids before he would lay around. I mean, and, and say he wanted to play, but he knew he wouldn't have the energy. His food allergies were like 90% better before that, you guys. He couldn't eat. Oh my gosh, he could, all he could eat was, he ate like a king, but he could only eat a few things like chicken, lamb, asparagus. You know, we couldn't use onions. He barely could handle garlic. He couldn't eat beef. He couldn't eat nightshades. He couldn't eat dairy. It was, it was awful. So it was an amazing thing to see him have a wider um, scope of being able to eat the foods, you know, much more variety. Um, and he was even tolerating at this point, like eating out which was amazing. Prior to that, we were those people that showed up at the restaurant with a, you know, a bag, a, you know, like the lunch bag, begged the restaurant for forgiveness for having to feed our son out of a lunchbox while the rest of us ate, you know, felt like those rude people, but we had to, he just couldn't eat out. So after the end of our therapy, he was just a, a new kid. He was focused, happy and healthy. So the experience of having a child with Lyme focused, forced me to rethink everything. I began rethinking how we deal with ADHD. I began to rethink how we deal with cognitive decline. I started to see the connection between childhood illness and an increase in adult risk of cognitive dysfunction. 
Did you know that the rate of young onset dementia, we're talking ages 30 to 64, has increased by over 400% in the last decade? I started to recognize a whole silent army of chronic illness warriors around me who didn't have a voice, who looked quote unquote healthy, and who couldn't get any help. The thing I learned through my experience was that as a healthcare professional, I knew how to advocate for my child in a way that wasn't available to most people. And I was left wondering what to do with my experience. I felt like I had like two main options. I could be thankful for the ability to care for my family and all the things I learned through the experience and move on. Or I could try to educate, be an advocate, and help others who felt as helpless as I had at one point. So in anesthesia, we are the, say, unofficial safety officers of the operating room. We advocate for our sleeping patients. We guard them, which is the best approach for providing painless and a peaceful surgical experience. We, most people who are drawn to anesthesia are innately compassionate, seeking not only to provide safety for their patients, but also eager to reduce fear and anxiety surrounding the experience of surgery. We are people who advocate for the helpless. So it's simply not in my nature to do nothing in the face of suffering. So I took action. I completed my PhD in natural medicine and became a board certified doctor of natural medicine. And here I am hosting a podcast (laughs) to share my experience with you and help you know that you are not alone in the struggle to find solutions for your health issues. Our current medical system is really not designed to deal with chronic health issues. It's exceptional in acute situations. And, but like, it's really not designed (laughs) to handle just long-going, cumulative health issues. So, you know, you are not alone um, in your search to heal a chronic, to heal chronic brain inflammation and to try to prevent cognitive health issues. Over the next few series of episodes, I hope to unpack some of the basic lifestyle, nutrition, and brain hacking strategies that are currently known and scientifically vetted to help empower you to begin your journey of healing. I have several exciting exciting guests planned as well, and I can't wait for you to hear from them also. We are going to have a few episodes on the impacts of Lyme disease, of course, breast implants, maybe anesthesia, (laughs) and how trauma affects the brain. We're also going to cover topics like ADHD and other hot topics. So I hope hope you can come join us again. I really hope you enjoyed this time um, listening and I hope that the time spent will has been a blessing and will continue to be a blessing to you. I hope it motivates you to take action, even if it seems like baby steps, to preserve and optimize your brain health. So with that, I'll leave you with the tiniest challenge. A very important part of supporting brain health is reducing exposure to toxins. We find um, everyday toxins in our food, our water, our air, And as women, we have the added bonus of finding them in our beauty products. So I want to start to build awareness of the amount of exposure you get to daily toxins. And for this challenge, I want you to just record the food. Just pay attention to your food. Get your, you know, notes tab out on your iPhone. I don't know if Google has one as well, but maybe make a notes page. 
Record the number of times you eat out. Pay attention to any coffee you buy that's out. Pay attention to any kind of coffee, actually. And let me tell you a story about that because I'm full of stories. (laughs) Uh, We were on a mission trip. We were going to Ecuador with a group and the leader at the time. And we just started our trip. She she comes to me because I think I was... I think I was the only healthcare provider on the trip at the time. And she's like, I have this rash. It's horrible. And it was everywhere. It's itchy. It was red. It was, I didn't know what it was, honestly. It was just red, itchy rash. And so, you know, I had oils, <laughs> whatever. I gave her some oils. And that sort of temporized it. But when we got on the ground, we, we got her on, on a medrol dose pack, you know, got her on some steroids. And that seemed to settle everything down. And once that, you know, we were there long enough that the, the dose pack was kind of weaning off. And of course, the rash was starting back. But one thing I noticed in my time there with her was that the girl did not drink anything but coffee and she drank a lot of it. <laughs> and she didn't just drink any old coffee, she drank, she drank Folgers. <laughs> so I was like, every time I looked at her, she had a cup of Folgers coffee in her hand and sometimes in a styrofoam cup. <laughs> You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Hot water and styrofoam is probably not a good idea because you're ingesting styrofoam. But hell, let get back to the story. We get back from Ecuador and she goes to her dermatologist and she has them evaluated. And they start her on some meds and that works for a while and then it comes back. So she calls me and she's like, I still have this rash and it's like still really itchy. And I said, you know, um, it's just a guess, but... I don't know what the rest of your diet is like, but I did notice you liked to drink coffee and you drank a lot of it. She's like, yeah, it's all I drink. I don't drink water. I just drink coffee. <laughs> I said, well, I, I mean, if there's one thing you can do is you can try to switch the coffee you drink. I said, what kind, what kind do you drink at home? Because I thought it was just on the trip. She drank Folgers at home too, you guys. So she switched to organic. I said, you know, maybe just, tw- just switch your coffee to organic, just the coffee. And she did. And the rash went away. <laughs> that goes to show how much pesticide is in your coffee bean, especially if you're not drinking water. <laughs> it becomes very evident. So she, um, she really did have a re- resolution of her, <laughs> of her rash when she switched to organic coffee. So that's why I want you to start paying attention. You know, gain some awareness of the, the, um, the food that you're eating, the, 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 what you're drinking, you know, what's in a kind of process is our organic coffee. Is it Starbucks? Is it, you know, Pete's, what is it? Write it down. Um, pay attention to any processed snacks you eat and consider also consider that even organic processed snacks aren't great. They hide stuff in the labels. <laughs> so, but just look at, start looking at labels Pay attention to labels on your condiments and check for things like glucose syrup, which is another, it's the new name for corn syrup. Check for things like natural flavors, which hides dozens of unwanted ingredients. Check for any dyes or colorings. Don't be fooled by organic processes. They still manage to contain a lot of undesirable ingredients. Keep a written record, maybe on your notes page. Check back in a week and see what it looks like. What does it look like? If you have time, comment on our Instagram page. It's Clean Living Basics 101 or on our Facebook page, Clean Living Basics. If you discover any toxin or were surprised by what was in your food. So I look forward to spending time with you again soon. Until then, I want you to celebrate the small victories in your path to healing. There really is hope 
for lasting healing. Hey guys, this is Sandy. Thanks for spending the time with me the last 30 minutes or so um, and listening to me um, share what my experiences and some of the education out there. I hope it's been a blessing. I hope it's been encouraging. I hope it has empowered you to take the next best simple steps toward recovering good brain health. If you find this content helpful, please share this content. Thank you for being patient with me as I step outside of the clinical world and into the crazy podcasting world. Uh, I appreciate you guys hanging in there on the bloopers and everything along the way. But um, for sure, if this is helpful, pass it along to someone you think might benefit from the content. Leave me a like, leave me a share on your favorite podcaster that you're tuning in on. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Until then, there is hope for lasting healing.